Welcome to the Suffolk Money Podcast, set in the wonderful county of Suffolk. Its rolling pastures and countryside lead across to the glorious shingle beaches of the East Coast. So come and join us as we meet some of the most fascinating people, most interesting business and the most determined charities and community groups that you will find anywhere. This is a series of podcasts supported and sponsored by Kingsfleet Wealth. So join us today as we meet three fascinating people. We wanted to do something on entrepreneurs and the problems and challenges that they face, but also what motivated them to go in that direction. So we've got a recently started business called Kitty Bakes, run by Jodie Davey. So we've got Jodie and we've got Steve Flory, who's the MD of the Hudson Group and Hudson Signs. With all his experience, we wanted to bring him in. And then we thought, what about a business coach and mentor? And so we approached Suzanne McDonald Carr. So you're going to hear Suzanne, Jodie and Steve talking through some of the issues of being an entrepreneur. What are their benefits? What are the challenges? What are the problems that they face? But also, what do they get out of it? What are their aspirations and hopes? So we put them all together, gave them a few questions, and this is what came out of it all. So I'm really delighted to welcome uh, Jody, Suzanne and Steve, and thank you uh, for giving up your time to be with us today. So maybe just find out a little bit about what each of you do. So Jody, tell us a little bit about your business. Um, so I run a business called Kitty Bakes, um, which is like a cake and baking business. Um, I predominantly do weekly brownie boxes, which I deliver locally and offer postal throughout the UK, um, as well as celebratory cakes. So I do birthday cakes. Um, I do, I've taken on a few wedding cakes, um, but basically bake anything yummy and pretty. <laughs> Amazing. Hands up, full full disclosure from experience, it's very good. Um, okay. <laughs> Steve, tell us a bit about what you do. I have two companies at the moment, one in Needham Market, Hudson Group, which is a signage and exhibition company and fundamentally services East Anglia and just within the M25. And then another one in Ipswich, which is a manufacturing facility, equally signage, um, exhibitions, vehicle wraps, print, etc. And we service the whole of the country through that. So we have fitting teams out across the whole of the country installing those signs. So clients such as Hollywood Bowl, um, Big Yellow, Ready Steady Store, various large clients who have lots of branches and we do rebrands for them or maintenance across the whole of the UK, which is challenging in itself at times. We got somebody in Scunthorpe and someone else is either in Southampton the next day. It can be um, it can be quite a challenge. So um, how many staff do you have there then, Steve? Uh, 38. Right, okay. So you'll, you've got quite a lot of people's livelihoods depending on you. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't pay to think about that too much. But yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but you know, just add that into the conversation. <laughs> um, Suzanne, tell us a little bit about what you do. I'm a business coach, um, a mentor and a trainer. Um, I started life in corporate life in IBM. Uh, and I stayed in, the, in management and, and uh, in sales uh, with the company um, in what I call mid-range systems. Um, so that's certainly the SME sector. 
and I moved on and started my first business as a school for children with learning deprivation, sense deprivation, um, and then went back to the software industry and um, moved into um, being vice president, managing director, and so on. So some sort of senior corporate roles. Um, but uh, I think the, the thing that really drove me to, to coaching is uh, I call it my retirement job because I don't think you could do it if you, one, didn't have the academic background to, to deal with it, the training. I'm a transformational coach, which builds on my psychology, uh, original psychology background. Um, and that means that we're looking at how we approach and see the paradigm of the world um, and a transactional coach in terms of business growth. So when we're coaching, we use a completely different set of skills than when we're mentoring. But sometimes we have to mentor someone, show them how to do it and how to get there faster and quicker with the tools that I have in my kit bag. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I do. I do run some training courses on the subject matter across business. And obviously, um, the coaching is very um, much about merging coaching and mentoring together where it's required. So how did you get into to coaching then, Suzanne? How did that come about? Um, well, I came back from one of my last stints abroad and I spent um, uh, I've got a long suffering husband who lets me go away for two or three years at a time, um, coming back once a month. And uh, I kept, promised I wouldn't basically travel again. I, I resold the company. Um, and so it was one of those things where it seemed inevitable. What do I do now? And having retired from other jobs a number of times and then still, I had to get going again. And uh, coaching was something that I found um, would be able to use uh, the background that I had and bring the skills together, particularly leadership and management skills, because in the SME world, if people have been uh, solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, they might not have had the opportunity to uh, have had uh, formal training in managing people um, and managing systems in the business uh, and all the other areas of business as well. So here is an opportunity for me to, to use some of those past skills and bring them together in this final, hopefully the final stint. So um, I've been employed, I've been self-employed and I'm now self-employed again. Wow, fascinating story. Steve, so how did you come to, to be running these businesses? How did that come about? Uh, well, I, I um, spent a lot of time in corporate life at Willis, now Towers Watson in Ipswich, and then um, spent from 75 to 96 there. Spent the last five years, fortunately, running their marine group, uh, which led me to do some different things from the systems that I've been in, or the IT division I've been in for probably nearly 10 years. Um, I then left to go to Marshall McLennan, the American insurance brokers, which I didn't like. So I decided that um, enough was enough, and after nine months, left there. Uh, with, with nothing to do, actually, which sounds really quite bonkers. And I think if I'd have thought about it more at the time, I probably wouldn't have wouldn't have done it. But we then set up a call centre, one in Ipswich. We had another one we opened up in Southern Ireland and then opened one up in India. We had 700-odd staff across the three sites, which we then sold to a PLC down in Surrey. Um, after that, we set up a property business and various other um, a, a a business that collected from the national grid collected fees for people who had national grid pylons on their land. Um, and we, we one weekend we bought all the national grid pylon um, layouts and all the ordnance survey maps and laid one across the other and worked out where properties were affected. Just the strangest weekend you could ever have. Um, and then in 2006, a good friend of mine who, who bought a lot of the properties for me turned around and said that Hudson 
signs in Needham Market was closing down. So I went over there on the Wednesday, looked around. They'd got all the machinery, but they'd lost just about all of their clients, apart from a, a couple they were finishing off for that week. So I asked them how much it was, and they, I had a ridiculous figure thrown at me. So I left it until the Friday afternoon, went back on the Friday afternoon about 3 o'clock and bought it at 4 o'clock for a much reduced figure, thank heavens. Um, woke up on the Saturday morning and thought, I just bought a signage company. I don't know anything about signage, so I wasn't really too sure what Monday was going to bring for me. And we rang all the clients through that next two or three weeks and managed to get them all back, bar two, one of which was owned by a friend of mine, and he said it would be really difficult to just give it back to me straight away as it would look like it was all a little bit insider dealing. So um, we got them all back after about six months. And from there, we've added other companies to it as we've acquired businesses along the way, doing other promotional activities, um, print, clothing, mugs, all those things. And then we bought the factory facility, which is in Ipswich, in 2017. So that gave us all the facilities to actually make the... Um, you know, the big totem poles you see outside B&Q and things like that. So we do all that there, and we that's, that's where we send them out across the UK from. Yeah, I don't know much more about it then than I did now, really, but there we go. <laughs> You're still learning, so that's good. I've surrounded myself with people who know more than I do, which is that's, that's That could be one secret of success in business. So, Jodie, how, um, how did you get to, to, to start this, this business? So I was furloughed from my um, previous job, which was working as a wedding events manager. Um, I'd studied business and events at university. So that was the industry that I was really keen to work in. Um, prior to that, I'd worked for Starbucks for 10 years. Um, and I felt um, I'd kind of achieved everything that I wanted to. Obviously, I worked there from quite a young age. Um, the last store that I worked in, I opened the franchise's first drive-through, uh, which was a really successful store. And I did genuinely really love it. Um, I had a really great team and had so much fun. But I just, like I say, felt like I'd um, kind of achieved everything I wanted to and was really keen to work in weddings. So I'd worked there um, in a venue just outside of Ipswich for two and a half years, obviously because of the pandemic was fair late. So I'd started um, baking as I have like a really genuine interest in baking. Absolutely love it. Um, and lots of friends were commenting on like my Instagram posts on my personal account saying, can you drop us a brownies around on the doorstep um and it kind of just went from there um like their friends were then seeing them so I started Kitty Bakes um and yeah it's just really boomed obviously it's just myself so I'm doing brownie boxes like I said in cakes um and yeah I really love it um my life is surrounded by self-employed people my parents were both self-employed my sister my boyfriend like everybody in my life is self-employed and I think I always found it a really daunting thought to give a full-time salary up um we own our house and it's just that security mm -hmm. so I just think this was the time that was right for me um I think everything happens for a reason so I was obviously like I say made redundant at the beginning of October um I've had a couple of part-time jobs just because for me that felt like security just having that part-time income but Kitty Bakes has just boomed so much now that I am now a completely self-employed full-time baker, which is amazing. Yeah, well done. So, Suzanne, this is really interesting, just hearing Jodie and Steve's stories about how they've come to be where they are. So, Jodie's is very much almost being forced upon 
Jody to make a career change almost. And Steve's was very much, don't want to carry on what I'm doing. What, what causes people to start their own business? Well, I think Jody's, Jody's made a good point. Um, if you're surrounded as you, as you grow up by people who are self-employed, you might well consider that that's, a, that's the path because you would have learnt and, and been part of other people's self-employment uh, and, and the way you have your lifestyle um, panned out for you. Uh, there are two things that happen, really. And um, sometimes those families can actually knowing how tough it can be, uh, and it's a, a bit of a roller coaster sometimes in business, um, they can deter um, their, their offspring from going into self-employment simply because they want to protect them. And that's true, actually, when we're looking at how our partners support us in life, because many times they might suggest that we don't do something if we're trying to have a discussion with it, which is why coaching works, because you have somebody you can talk to about what's going on, and it's not your wife or your or your your boyfriend or, or whoever your partner is um so i think from that point of view um we're much more open-minded and we're not judgmental about it because that's the art of coaching to to take it from where it is now to where we want it to be um the other reason that people go into self-employment is that they just are very very creative they we have solopreneurs we have entrepreneurs and actually they're also sometimes unemployable because they don't like to be told what to do they don't want to um uh, march to someone else is tune um, they've got much more strength or inner courage or other elements of, of a personality um, which allows them to you know to, to say I don't mind the risk and of course like finance you have to do a risk assessment on on the individual some people will like risk and thrive on it um, and will go for the uh, the win, if you like, like we would have perhaps play in the stock market. Um, or the other side is that they're very risk averse and they, they like the stability and the comfort and that, and that paycheck that comes in every month. They might not also question whether they're capable of doing things. There's, there's scripts that run us um, in the psychology and transformational coaching. And if we're looking at our ego states and the scripts that run us, we might be saying things like, I'm not worthy of this or I can't do it or I'm not allowed to do it, or I'm not loved enough, or, or these kind of things. They're, they're, they're fundamental uh, elements that we replay in our, in our minds so that we start believing them. So again, with coaching, um, we're looking at where the person's come from, how do they speak? Do they use clean language? And, and, and how, can we, how can we work with them to help them do what they want to do? It's always about the agenda of them. Um, then we have life-changing moments, defining moments. I mean, you probably will remember where you were on Saturday because it was Prince Philip's Juventus funeral. When you hear the shock of something like that, and we've all had more shocks and deaths because of COVID, then you remember where you are sometimes. And situations can help us decide that we're going to do something different. So it could be a divorce, it could be um, you know, a, a death, it could be a birth or that driver, you know, as, as Steve mentioned, um, you know, when he had to make choice, it was because he had a young family. So the commitment to that young family to keep money flowing was part of the decision to, to get himself employed and to try something. The last point I'd make that you did also bring up is that, um, you know, there's a Pareto rule, that 80-20 rule. And when Steve said about not knowing about the printing industry, didn't need to know about it, that's true. Because actually running a business, you don't need to necessarily know the subject matter if you're running it. Um, if you're in it, you probably need to be a technician and actually understand that. But the idea of getting things perfect before you jump onto the next idea is sometimes wasting time. And we have little time, really. That's the one thing we are all short of. 
So, Steve, did you ever have anyone who said when they learned what you were planning to do to this, you just don't bother, you're mad, you're wasting your time? Or, or did you just have such clear conviction that actually it's just like water off a duck's back to you? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember anybody saying it to me, but I would switch off to it pretty quickly in any case. <laughs> so I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't have registered it particularly. I was very fortunate that I, I set it up with a, with a chap who, um, we were, we were hugely complimentary in the skill sets we brought to it. So it, it, it wasn't on that first occasion, it wasn't just me, there were two of us. Which does make it easier from Jodie's point of view, it's all on her shoulders and that's, that's really quite tough, you know. But if there's two of you doing it, at least you've got someone at the end of the day you can sit down and have a conversation with about it uh, and they understand what you've gone through the, during the day. And it's all well and good going home and telling your family, but they haven't actually been in the office all day. Yes. Brody's perspective it's even more difficult to do it on your own and to start something out like that is is tricky um but I, I i do genuinely think that the object to it is to surround yourself if it's an organization that needs people to surround, surround yourself with those people who know what they're doing and fundamentally let you get on with what you need to do how have you experienced that jody have you had people who've said yeah, don't do that well risk and yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've had anybody um, be, like, negative. Everybody's been really positive. I'm really lucky that I have a really supportive, like, network of, like, my boyfriend and my family. So um, I think I might have mentioned earlier, my mum's um, a self-employed cake maker and outside caterer. So she, although I, I'm predominantly the only one in Kitty Bakes, my mum's just the most amazing support. Um, just in terms of knowledge like suppliers and because I think one of the biggest challenges I've had is I think we can all relate to the beginning of like the first lockdown is getting hold of flour like it was just like gold dust wasn't it so my mum's got all these connections and she was like we will get you flour we will get you started and yeah really supportive so um, even though I'm like the only baker everybody's just yeah been so helpful like just with admin and like my boyfriend will deliver the odd lot of brownies for me and just things like that so I think I've had a really positive experience and maybe it was because of being made redundant and that being so negative that everybody's just really like made an effort to offset that and say like this is your time um I think if anybody it's been myself that's probably a bit what Suzanne was saying a bit more like having a bit more self-belief um which is probably why I got these part-time positions. I was very in the mindset of we're coming out of lockdown. Are people really going to want brownies every week? Like I'm going to need some form of income from somewhere else. And the whole time my boyfriend was saying, I really don't think you should do this. I really think like it's going to be really great um, in the new year. And it was I the last part-time position that I had. I worked out for six weeks. Unfortunately, I had to leave. It was just so busy, which is amazing. But yeah, I think I need to have a bit more self-belief when everybody else is so positive is that common Suzanne that someone who starts a business and has an initial sort of burst of success that we have this sort of imposter syndrome thing and actually uh, it, it, this can't continue it happens sometimes and other times uh, obviously it's a slow burn for people and uh, they have to keep going they have to keep plodding especially if they're trying to build a portfolio of, of, of um, clients you know it's a, it's a sales job it's a marketing job Steve it's marketing branding activity indeed um, and it's about positioning finding that vision mission and, 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 and uh, the culture that you want to create as your unique business so I think when we are looking at how people start there isn't a, a, a sort of 
it's always like this or it's always like that. It's about opportunity. But if you've got your own technical knowledge or you've got your own business knowledge um, as you acquire or diversify in business as Steve has, um, either way, you are really looking to, to position that business um, so that you can get that fast win. And just some businesses, particularly in professional services, they just take a lot longer to build. Mm. I don't know whether, like Suzanne would agree, but this is just such unprecedented times, isn't it? So like Suzanne saying, like things can be like a slow burner. I feel like my business is largely based on Instagram. So in terms of like following, I've grown this massive following. And is it just because of like the lockdown and, and are my sales going to dip? Like it's just such an unprecedented time that for me, I think that's where a lot of my worry comes from is because I don't think there's anybody that, well, there is nobody that can give advice in this situation because this situation hasn't happened before. So yeah, it's really kind of a bit of a mixed bag, really. So would you say those are your primary challenges then, Jodie? It's the case of how how much you could yeah. grow or will sales continue at their current level I mean it's like- yeah so I, I don't know if I necessarily say it's a challenge it's definitely a worry but I'd say a challenge for me is I feel like there's a, a lot of people that have been put in this position so there, unfortunately there's a lot of people that have been made redundant a lot of people that have lost their jobs and like me a lot of people that had a lot of time to bake and have grown a love for it so then have started a business so I think a big challenge for me is it's now a really competitive market so it's trying to be really different in the local area to offer something that's different or it's like that unique selling point isn't it like your price I deliver boxes so um, other than cakes everything's delivery cakes a collection but it's that convenience for people isn't it and like gift gifting um I think a gifting habits really changed and people are wanting to make right now a bit more special because we're in such like sad times and things um so it's being able to deliver that box to somebody's house as a gift so I'd say that's probably a bit more of what I'm finding right now is that challenge is just standing out from so many other bakers which is amazing to see so many other bakers and there's some incredible people that I've just discovered that are in the local area of Ipswich but equally it's then trying to continue that success where would you go from there then Suzanne how would how would we listen to what Jodie's concerns are and what would you be advising well I, I think very very clearly you know hitting on the point that it's about the uniqueness it's about the selling point or the selling proposition but it's also about the 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 branding the the whole of what we call the aka um so it's about having that in place but it's also about having a business plan in place you know what is that next step what would you consider um how do we also work the finances back so that uh, you're knowing how much you need to sell to take that growth from that growth to to happen and having sort of three or four major goals um uh, we would normally ask a lot of questions around a set of areas of the business and come out with what's the priority so to alleviate worry and to alleviate challenges that will hold us back so we get the fast growth and the momentum in the business we're looking for um, introducing things like new products or unique services within cake businesses before or bakers before and we're looking at what can we do you know one of the bakers I worked with had five different shops and ended up entering a cafe culture because that's what he wanted to do Um, and he sold his businesses and then brought them all back because he didn't like what was happening to them and he's in our East Anglian region Um, so you know it's about having a plan uh, and about addressing the points of that uh, those challenges and, and actually thinking what do I have to do about those and that sometimes that's obviously where we come in and we say well have we thought about this would we like to do that it's about the options it's brainstorming that uh, the plan 
and also when you do make a plan make it realistic the goals I think the goals can sometimes be so many things you want to achieve but actually you can't fit it in the time available and there's not that priority order um, to it so um, coaching can help with that and the mentoring certainly can help because we get people to um, that faster that point faster so if you said that it takes between three years and five years to create a successful business, well, you know, you're going to get that momentum when you've got additional tools that you might not have in your own kit bag that someone can, can pass across to you. But they don't have to be, they have to be unique to you. They don't have to be just general. It's the same time. Every time I coach a business, it's always the same thing I give them. It has to be unique for the person. That's why it's always about them. Have a little plan and understand your finances. So, Steve, you must have gone through that those growing pains at some stage during the course of the business. Um, are there times when you've decided, right, well, we're going to make a strategic um, either change of direction or focus on growth or introduce a new product line? Uh, are there any of those experiences where, like Susanna was saying, you've got to come up with a plan that you then need to follow? Yeah, I, ours initially, and probably up to now, there's, there's, there's been driven by opportunities that have come to us really so competitors who've decided that you know enough's enough or, or had difficulties I think one of my biggest problems in myself is I will have a conversation with myself in the shower in the morning and I'll get to work and I'll tell everybody what we're going to do today and I have a complete a finisher score of zero so I won't have finished what I've said we're going to do for the whole of last week and they all look at me and go what what do you want to do first, Steve? So um, the biggest thing I think that can go wrong is you make a decision and you stick by it, come hell or high water, because you made that decision and you can never accept the fact that it wasn't the right one to make in the first place. So the, the ability to go in and say, guys, actually, you know, I really, the, the, the thought I had in the shower last Wednesday really wasn't that great. So I think we should shelve that one. Um, but it does sometimes, I, I worked with a lady once who had a complete finisher score of something ridiculous. And I have a resource investigator score of something ridiculous. And we used to fight every day, every day. And um, and she said, one day I sat down with her and I said, we need to sort this out. And uh, somebody gave us these forms and we filled them out and I looked at it and between the two of us, we just laughed. And, and, and I used to leave her alone for like, you know, a couple of days before I went and said anything else to her so she could finish off what what we were doing before because sometimes you can get a bit carried away with it all and think you can create the world in an instant and if it's in your head I sometimes struggle to not believe that it can't be done straight away yeah. and it frustrates people and I think yeah. you just got to remember that I think the other thing is with anything like you know what Jody's doing the, the fortunate part of that is that you take some cakes to somebody and somebody pays you on the spot. I do some work for BT and I wait 90 days to get paid. And, and sometimes when you could get into that situation, cash inevitably is, is king. And if you, if you lose sight of that, give yourself some horrendous problems. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to try. If you're trying to expand a business during that time and the cash flow is not there, then it's really quite tricky. But I was funny because when you were first speaking, Jody, when we were chatting earlier and you were talking about the cafe, I was wondering whether you'd got, you were talking about the cakes. So I was wondering whether you'd got ideas of perhaps a cafe, you know, or perhaps an outlet that you could go to and actually um, 
create an environment where people come to you as opposed to you go to them. I didn't know if that was something you'd ever considered as a part of a model in the future. Yeah, so I think years back that was always my dream was to have like a really beautiful cake shop. Um, so currently I cook from home. So equally to what Suzanne was saying about having a plan we've got a bit of a plan in place maybe not so much necessarily at the moment with the shop but like more so like a commercial kitchen just because I am getting to the point where maybe I'm starting to outgrow um, my home kitchen Um, but again it's it's that bit in me which is just trying to be level-headed and thinking don't get carried away with yourself I've kind of put it as like this time next year I'll be two years in and if I'm still this busy then I'd like to think we're a bit more on like normal ground so um yeah so a shop potentially um my boyfriend owns a hairdresser's in Ipswich and I can see how challenging that is and it's things like like you were saying about finances the overheads the rent the rates all of that stuff yeah just makes it so much more complicated doesn't it and so maybe one day um at the moment probably not so much I'd love something like I joke a little spoiler um that about having like a van or something where you drive around and you're like dropping cakes off I'd love something like I was saying unique that uh, maybe not somebody else has people have vans so it's thinking outside the box at something else but maybe something a bit more mobile than like a premises but we'll see this is kind of a bit further down the line we'll see <laughs> Saturday I think it was I pulled up on Broke Hall outside the co-op on Broke Hall yeah and there was a wood-fired pizza stand there with two chaps running it two young chaps running it and next door to it was a smoothie and a coffee stand 12 months 15 months 18 months ago I, I don't even know if the council would have even allowed them to do that but things yeah. have changed significantly and and whether it's for good or bad, doesn't matter. The longevity of it is a problem. Yeah. People will actually think in, you know, I'm going to walk across to get a pizza when I can actually go and sit in a restaurant. And that's the difference, isn't it, as to how long that will take for that to settle, to be a genuine part of people's lives, as opposed to just a novelty factor at the moment. I can go and buy a pizza outside the co-op. So we're definitely um, guilty of that. And that's probably Bay Tree Pizza. And they park pretty much out my outside my house on a Friday and a Saturday night. <laughs> so very tempting. And um, we visited them quite a lot. But I think at the moment when we weren't allowed out, there was nothing to do other than enjoy like a takeaway, wasn't there? And in terms of like disposable income, we weren't really spending any money going out, just buying food. So it's, yeah, it's interesting to see whether that will change. And like you say, like the longevity of it, whether that will still be our habit in a couple of years time but also what strikes me Jody, when we were talking earlier about uh, what what actually gets people through your door as it were which you don't have a physical door yeah. is social media and it's um and again that's very different to you know when i was a kid yes it was cake shops and i've always been drawn to cake shops as anyone who can see me uh would understand uh, why i'm as heavy as i am um but uh but now social media is what draws us to the work that you do. And that's really how you've built that business. Yeah, 100%. So, so actually, are we in a different time now where the, the need for you know, a physical store is maybe not quite as it once was? Yeah, it's funny because I remember when I was studying business at university, people saying like places like supermarkets, it will get to a point where there won't be like cashiers. It will just all be like self-checkouts. Um, and they that was quite a few years ago that I graduated and that was a thing then. So um, when you look at like the high streets, um, so my sister worked for Topshop and the fact that there's not 
Arcadia is no longer on the high street is mind blowing to our, like especially our like generation. So I wonder whether the culture will change. I feel like for now, like I said, I deliver the brownie boxes to people's doors. It's just been a real convenience because of lockdown and, and not really got going out and everything. And people working from home, they know they're there to receive them. So whether that will maintain i know that there's like a lot of um like more so corporate office businesses that are going to be working from home so whether the brownie box delivered to your house will continue and i'm not sure but that's why i say like maybe a cake shop a few years down the line people will be back on the high streets i know there's so much at the moment about supporting small businesses equally i see so much about let's get the high street thriving again so yeah it's a really hazy line at the moment um I guess time, it's just a time, isn't it? Time will tell. I think I would, I would put it into um, the words of deciding what channel you're, you're going to use, the delivery channel. So it could be the cafe, it could be a physical premises, it could be through social media and digital marketing uh, primarily, but also supported by traditional elements of marketing. And I would potentially look at it can't say would never uh, not have a combination of different marketing strategies for example you know if you steve's business with signs if we need signage well we need different types of signage and um, we still need branding and and all of those things around marketing so that uh, if you choose different channels at different times to suit the marketplace um, then you've got that flexibility of being able to move from one channel to another. And certainly some channels are more expensive to develop than others. Um, I think the interesting thing is to look at the competition in a competitive marketplace. It's good to have competition. It's not a bad thing um, because it's about making you stand out. And if you genuinely passionate and believe and are producing wonderful products um, for people, you know, that, that's, that's actually going to put you to the top end of the, the marketplace you you operate in so every business has competition every sector has different elements of it and it's about finding the different flavors so it's a bit like having i guess a layer cake you've got all your different flavors of cake and actually you can do the same thing with your business so it's about finding what's right for you what do you feel that you should represent in your cake business why uh, you know why you want your passions to come through and why you have the approach towards it that you do the way you think about it and um, so there are other people out there doing it I, I welcome competition because it allows you to shine. And I think being self-employed, you can earn more than when you were perhaps just on the set salary. So I think there's a lot of positive things there. And it's really funny that last point you just made, because I I would have probably stayed at my previous job very comfortably, like plodding along. I did love being a wedding events manager, genuinely loved it. But you talk about money, you, you just think I need that salary to support my home. And now, yeah, I probably am earning more than I was earning within the wedding events position um and it's something that i would have never probably done if i hadn't been forced into that position i'm, I'm interested in this channel thing though suzanne that's a really good point steve how do you get your business known uh, are there particular ways that you can promote it? i mean you, you're in the promotions business you should be great at this we do we do the social media the one good thing about it and it's funny because journey would have the same thing as us if you run an accountant it's really difficult to make that look attractive on social media because nobody wants to see a picture of a book of accounts at the end of a, at the end of a, a process. But you put a cake up there, or I, I go and put. Well, we just recently made some signage to go onto a an island in the Caribbean, and, and it sits on the side of the island like the Hollywood sign for a, for um, a large resort. 
You put a picture of that up on social media and everybody looks at it. I mean, the chances of us getting to all those people pre-Facebook and Instagram and all these things and LinkedIn were, were minimal, really. But now one picture and people, people are calling us from all over the place. Um, and, and a cake's the same. Somebody puts a cake on there, it instantly has a reaction and you instantly think, oh, I like the looks of that. And But solicitors, you know, they're all quite difficult things to, to try and put through through a social media channel. We've always been quite fortunate that we've had something colourful and, and and if people are rebranding, you know, we're rebranding for somebody, so they're wanting to promote it as well. So it's not just a one-way street, really. I think the opportunities that come along, I've always been one for whatever it is, I'll always, I'll always look at it, whatever it is. doesn't matter. And, and if I don't like it, then that's fair enough. But, you know, there's always a chance that there'll be something you can pick out of it. Funnily enough, a friend of mine has just opened a, a deli in a, in a bakery and he told me about it at the time and, and I couldn't quite get my head around it. But I went there on Saturday to see it in its early formation and it's fantastic. I don't, who knows? Nobody could tell whether it's going to survive the long term or not, but he's he's given it a shot and he's tried it and hats yeah. off to you, Jody, for trying it because too many people don't. Too many people just sit back and want to, but but don't take that risk, really. You must never, ever justify your courage by the circumstances that you were in because you could have easily sat there and found another job at some point. So you must never ju never justify things by, by um, you know, well, I, the job there finished, so I, it was a natural thing to do because it's brave whatever way you do it. Yeah. And it's like my boyfriend said, if baking doesn't work and we come out of the pandemic and it, and it goes really quiet, you'll just, you'll find another job then. And I think the likelihood of me finding another job then is probably more than it is now anyway, because of just being unprecedented times. But yeah, you, you, you'll forever live your life thinking, I should have just tried that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, agree. You never want to get to the end of it with any regret, really, do you? A hundred percent. Hurtling to Heaven's Gate on a Harley at a hundred miles an hour, as opposed to walking in thinking, oh, well, that was okay, but I could have tried a bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you on a Harley, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think that that idea of planning and Stephen mentioned the word a number of times, that opportunities that come along never turns down an opportunity. And that's great. And I think we should all be open-minded um, to be able to accommodate those opportunities. Because if you do have a plan, the beauty of having some planning goals in there is that you know what you're trying to do in a period of time, normally a short, sharp period of time, say a couple of months or three months, um, accountancy would go to 13 weeks, you know, that kind of thing. But if you've got a bit of a plan and that's what you're going to achieve and an opportunity comes along, you can sort of look at that opportunity and say, that is a real opportunity. I've approached it and I've touched it and I've prodded it and I want it in there now. And then something else has to fall out the bottom onto the next say 12 weeks so that you're actually managing your chunks of time available so that you can complete and finish rather than jump around now some of that ability to jump around and take on new ideas is also to do with our behavioral profiles the way we um you know the way we think and our natural personality behavioral profiles so we've got our own internal profile but we've also got our work head you know that on stage i'm out here we've all got it on now whilst we're on the podcast we've got our external head on and that will be similar to our internal head um, and our internal profile but understanding that somebody who's very creative and an outgoing for example people person 
will always have a challenge with time because they want to spend time with people. They want to nurture the people. Whereas the opposite, Steve mentioned his uh, person that uh, was working with him who you know, wanted to complete and finish everything. Um, that person is a different type of behavioral profile. And we find industry sectors have specialists that a lot of engineers will be of a task-oriented, more reserved personality profile, whereas creative people and artists and jewellers and people that are making things um, you know, from, from scratch, but not in sort of manufacturing, but sort of, uh, you know, your, your real uh, creative entrepreneurial um, designers and things like that, they, they've got a completely different profile. A lawyer has a different profile. Uh, so you can just look at those things and say, this is the way the environment sits for people. And sometimes when we're thinking about going into business um, and maybe being self-employed, we look at, need to look at what environments do I like working in? Who do I like working with? What do I need? What feeds my soul? What feeds my inner desires, courage, strength, bravery, all the things that we talked about this morning? Um, what feeds that? What, what puts me in the best possible situation? And who do I need to have around me? Um, in my work, especially as you grow and you bring on employees and you want people to trust um, to be that next pair of hands to you, your second IC, second in command, um, then you know, it's about understanding what you are versus what, what the other person needs to be to fit the roles that you want them to do. And in that situation, typically, is the right thing to have somebody who's different from you? Not necessarily, um, but complementary. Because complimentary, only, that's a good word. Um, only because uh, you want them to uh, get where you're coming from and understand what drives you, but also you want them to be able to do perhaps some of the things you don't necessarily enjoy doing so much within the business. So they could be very similar, but they will be different. They could also be complete opposites. So there's no right and wrong there. It's about understanding the people. And actually, I use that sort of behavioural profiling um, with permission in the interview process um, so that we're looking at the person who's going to be the line manager, the director, the, the entrepreneur, the solopreneur, and saying, you know, who is it we want on board? And we're not going to choose the person because they're not right, but we want to understand the job they do. So you can actually behaviorally score a set of tasks that make up a job description or a, or, a, or, a, or a job role. In fact, you can actually get all of the areas covered in three people within one business. You only need three people. You might then need people to support those three people. But essentially, if you look at the what you are as an individual, it's a bit like a Venn diagram. You can cover all those bases of all the personality profiles with three people. That's another, that's another topic in itself. Wow, that's a, <laughs> well, sharpen the pencil there a little bit. Only three people needed in a business. That's it. <laughs> um, Jody, you've got to employ another two in that case. But uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but that's interesting, isn't it? That really the key thing is uh, as an entrepreneur, particularly I'm looking at Jody here, thinking to myself that you really want to do the things you love, and you want to get rid of all the other jobs in time. I think it's really what you're saying, um, Suzanne, to, to other people who have that skill set. And perhaps you admit, actually, I could do it, but it's probably better that somebody else does. And I think that's quite true, because I, I think if you're doing something also that you're not enjoying, I think that reflects in your work. I think especially with like cakes, if you've taken on something that you don't necessarily enjoy, you're not going to put as much like love and your everything into it because you're not enjoying it. Um, so, yeah, I, I can understand that. 
Is that something you've had to understand as you've gone along, Steve? The, the reason I say this is that obviously I started my business 11 years ago and I'm a complete control freak, but I've had to understand exactly as Suzanne was saying, that there are things that actually I could get other people in who A, are better, B, are more efficient, <laughs> and C, it allows me to do things I enjoy. How, how have you um, arranged that as you've run businesses? I don't think I've ever found anybody that I'm better than. I think that's the simplest one. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite simple, really. If I'm brutally honest about it, I could sit and think about something, work it out, what we need to do, get it to a point where it's worked, we've sold some, it's done. I can get pretty bored quite quickly then. And then it's about having those people in place to, to take that on and, and to make it work whilst you bring something else along. I sat in Willis Favors building in 1978 and a trainer at the time that Willis used, I, I did a Belbin test with them. And I had this resource investigator score of something like 48. And he turned around to me, deadly serious, and he said, you won't get through your life like that. And I've set out from that point in my life to prove him wrong. So <laughs> you must never, ever be afraid that somebody you bring in is going gonna to be better than you or, or question what you do or or at any point be able to do it, anything in the, in the organisation. And what's quite strange is I often find when, you, when we take over companies um, and they'll have a number of staff, we actually sit down and talk to those staff. Quite often they're doing things they don't particularly want to do in any case. Mm. And they'll often turn around to me and say, oh, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love it if we could do X, Y, and Z. And sometimes they're the things you're sitting there worried about, asking them to actually turn around to do, you know, welding in this particular form or this form. And, and they say, no, oh, I'd love to try stainless steel welding. And you think, blimey, I was coming around to that in a sort of a roundabout way to ask you. And <laughs> often people are, are very open to these things, but they get badgered into a corner or bullied into a corner to do stuff. And it means they don't, they don't perhaps take the chance and don't um, invite those opportunities along, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I can't. So just... All I want at the end of the month is a piece of paper that just says we sold this, we it cost us this, and this made or lost us this. Then I know what to do for the next month. Yeah, but, but my accountants sit down and talk to me and say, "Oh, you need to be more," which is great, and it is right. But but the bit I the bit that is enough for me is just the the absolute end result of all their work. Mm -hmm. I appreciate all the things they do and hugely, but. Where's my piece of paper, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. So the, the final thing I just want us to wrap up with, really, is thinking about the the difficulty of when you're running your own business of getting personal time, because there is a, an issue there about just how one moulds into the other. You know, there is a, an argument that says that your business is an extension of your own personality and you end up especially if you're committed to delivering things to people on a certain time, um, you know, that that takes over everything. How have you found, Jody in particular, how have you found trying to separate and get some time, some downtime from your business? Um, I feel like I'm starting to find my feet. I think um, like we've obviously touched that I run uh, my business quite massively off of Instagram. And I think that's one thing that I do really struggle with is to like put my phone down at night and have that like switch off time. Um, I think I'm starting to get there. Um, 
I think it's really difficult when you're a new business because you just don't want to say no to anybody and you want mm-hmm. to have that reach to as many people as you can by by offering as much as you can um but yeah I think I'm slowly getting there um I think it's like a confidence thing is I was talking to somebody another local cake baker actually yesterday she was saying that she finds it really difficult in terms of pricing and I just said you've just got to be like really confident with it and if someone's not happy with it you kind of got to stick with it because at the end of the day it's a business and you need to make a profit um so yeah I think I'm becoming more confident in thinking like no I'm going to put my phone down this can wait till tomorrow this is nine o'clock at night like I wouldn't expect somebody to reply to me now so it's just having that like self-confidence all round. You go back a long while people were prepared to go into Marks and Spencers and stand behind five people in a queue and wait 15 minutes to be served and thought nothing of it and that all changed with you know if there's a if there's one person at the queue we'll, we'll open another till and we used to say with the, with the call centre when, when we first sold the call centre services in 1998 your phone will only ring three times and somebody will answer it and and it, it's just got more unrealistic from there really to the point where somebody mails me on a Saturday as you say they mail me on a Saturday night and on the Sunday morning they say I sent you a mail last night <laughs> when did you send it at nine o'clock I was at a dinner oh and you think Wow. But but the truth of it is you're your own worst enemy because I sit there at 9.30 and if I'm sitting there, you know, watching the telly, I answer him. So the next morning, he thinks, so it's okay, I'll just mail Steve whenever I want. And I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Um, and it's just, just a part of the game. But it is very, very difficult because it could just literally swamp you. And, and it comes from so many forms. The, the worst thing, I, the worst problem I now have, as I said earlier, is I get WhatsApp, Messenger, email, business email, Facebook, and, and, and somebody says to me, oh, I spoke about this last week to you, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, where did that come from? And I'm going through all these different things, searching for their name, because I can't remember whether they send it as a WhatsApp message or what. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> even more difficult for me. Um, and it's um, really funny you say that. Sorry to interrupt, but I get a lot of people no, no. message for things through Instagram, and some people have really funny Instagram names that aren't their name. So then it's you, you know, that like, say, Colin has ordered a cake, but Colin's Instagram name is not that. So it's then trying to scroll through all these people and think, well, which one's Colin? Stand behind somebody in Tesco's now, and if, if they've got a big trolley, you're thinking, hold on a minute. I'm, <laughs> we're living in an instant gratification world you know i want it therefore i want it now and i expect it now and it's like our big big organizations like amazon and prime just play to all of that so we're yeah, in a yeah. different bubble this different world that we've developed into and, and covid has brought other things and changes in working practices as well so i think it is about looking and saying where am i happy um, you know, how many hours a week am I going to work? You know, you can be flexible on it. Of course you can. But you know, if you get into a habit, as I, as, as I could easily do as well, people will email me, message me, do all sorts of things, different channels um, on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday. And in coaching, we normally stick to our meetings, our meeting time, whether that's 45 minutes or an hour. And if you don't have an unapproachable period of time, you can't get the mind rest. And I think in the end, you um, can't have time for preparation and you can't always have time for um, 
that creativity. Um, it would be better to be selfish. I mean, it's not good to be negatively selfish in business. So you damage people by being selfish, but certainly being selfish enough to manage your very precious resource of time is, is okay. Um, and it's okay to put some rules or guidelines down to suppliers or friends or family or otherwise. And actually we, we get more done that way. And by having uh, that ability to manage that, I should be doing this when it's, I should is not a good word for a coach. It's an okay word for a mentor, but you know, I'm going to be doing this at this time in my weekday or otherwise, but I'm not going to be interrupted. And if I'm having a meeting, I'm having a meeting with myself because I'm doing something for the business. I'm working my strategy. I'm working my tactics, my operations. I'm working my staff with my staff. So I think, you know, that all these things have to come together. We just have to manage it in these, these, so short periods of time, but having that downtime, having the things you enjoy doing, whether it's it's a hobby, golf, if it's sewing, if it's baking, um, whatever it might be as a hobby, is also important to build around your life and, and time for the family. Because many of us can see lives in others and our own sometimes being destroyed by working too much and not saying no. So it's okay to say no. I'm really glad you spoke about that, actually, because I think that's something that I'm struggling a little bit with at the moment, because I think sometimes people just see you as like a brand and that you're not a person and um so obviously we've been stuck in the house for like the last year haven't we we want to go out and we want to have like holidays and I know they're going to be in the UK but we still want to go away and have like that quality time and I feel guilty saying to somebody I'm, I'm actually going to be away for one night I'm taking two days off like it, it's it's really difficult isn't it but um like I say, surrounded by so many self-employed people, people are saying you have, like, you have to, you have to switch off. You're you're working so hard for such a long amount of time. You take those two days off, like. So it's it's that another thing that I guess I could say I'm struggling with is that mindset of it's okay to take two days off, like when you're working so many other days. If that makes sense, I'm glad you spoke about that because I do think that's really important, and especially when you've come from. Um, working for somewhere where you've got your set annual leave and your set days off and things like that it's it's such a change isn't it so um yeah that's definitely something that I feel like I struggle with somebody says to us a month ago they'll turn around to me and say I need a sign to go on the side of this building needs to be five meters long meter high illuminated bright pink sitting on the side of this building I said that's fine how long do you need to get that ready a minimum of 10 days they'll go away and pontificate over how they want this sign to look and four days before they'll say yeah this is it great thanks can I have it and and I'll say well actually I've got to cut it weld it spray it light it up and get a fitting team and I've got four days now so no you can't have it well I want it and and they were no they'll say say the same to you they'll say you can have a cake now no I make them (laughs) you know And we've lost, we seem to have lost the ability to understand making things, bespoke things, take time. And, and perhaps that will come back. I don't know. But Amazon and Prime, you're right. I, I could order something now. In fact, I could have been sitting here ordering something whilst we're talking. And by the time I come off the phone, somebody will drop it off to my door. It's just ridiculous. You, know? you, you can't have that with everything in your life. And if you do, there's no, there's no pleasure in it, is there? It's just all instant you know and the thought that you order a cake from Jodie and it takes a couple of days to come because she's made it is actually a part of that pleasure of that thing sometimes when I've met businesses um, I have uh, had the, the entrepreneur who's a bit worn down by those things um, you know, after a period of time three or four years of it they lose some of that passion and that fun um, and it's about bringing 
slowing the uh, the roundabout down so that they can actually really start enjoying what they do and they fall back in love and with their with what they were doing um, so it is really a, an important element I think to, to managing time and having quality of life absolutely wonderful I, I think it's probably an appropriate time just to, to wrap up because you've just concluded with exactly the objective there Suzanne of, of running a business that really satisfies your sort of personal ambitions but I think somebody once said if you're carrying out some work that you enjoy then you never do a day's work in your life because it every day is a day of pleasure yeah trust that that's the same but just want to thank all three of you um Suzanne McDonald Carl who's a business coach and mentor in Suffolk Steve Flory from Hudson Group and uh, all the various things that Steve does and Jody, who's just starting up this wonderful uh, Kitty Bakes business that you can find on Instagram and lots of other places, I'm sure in due course. But um, thank you all three of you for your immense insight and really great questions and suggestions and ideas. It's been wonderful just to listen to you. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as we enjoyed participating. Uh, Suzanne, uh, Jody, and Steve are just uh, wonderful people to listen to. Got such great stories, wonderful uh, messages of expectation and plans and hopes and guidance and enthusiasm. And I hope that you're able to uh, enjoy what they were able to bring to you. So please subscribe to the Suffolk Money Podcast. Tell your friends about it and also if you could give us some feedback um, through your apple amazon or spotify account that's really helpful or go onto our facebook page and give us some feedback on there as well and we'd love to hear from you so uh, we look forward to meeting you again on the next suffolk money podcast <laughs>